gentlemen, please welcome to Wild and Crazy Guys. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Hogan for the win. We're going to consistently put players in position to succeed. Most important piece is we're going to take the North and never give it back. From CHGO, it's Adam Hope. I don't think that this is a, bit, a full rebuild, but you definitely have to retool your roster. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Hey, what's up, Flues? And we're going to have measurable ways for standards of performance every single rep, every single game. Anyway, uh, who cares? Now, here they are, the Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in. It is a Thursday preview show. Bears, Texans, Matt Eberflus, Lovey Smith. What's up, Johnson? What's going on? Rod Marinelli? No. That's their connection. Yeah, but he's he, he, I'm surprised he didn't come up yesterday with Matt Eberflus. Uh, he mentioned his name. Did he say Rod? Yeah, when he was asked about Lovey, he's like, yeah, we obviously have that mutual connection with Rod, but he didn't really yes. talk about it. Okay. He just mentioned them. Maybe I missed that. Yeah. So um, I should pay attention better. I was gonna say I wasn't even there. You're the one who's there. I was probably tweeting something. Yeah. It's Eddie right. Jackson, honorary captain. Wait, what was that about Rod Marinelli? Nothing. <laughs> he didn't really talk about it. it Do you remember mention. Rod Marinelli's press conferences? Speaking uh, of press conferences, or at least the his media availability, how he would stand in the circle of all the reporters, but he would turn. To the reporter asking the question. So yes. if you asked a question behind him, he would turn to you, and then everybody else was left scrambling, especially the television reporters, to get that 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 angle. And right, he was soft spoken too. Right. And when so when you turn, you like depending on where the camera is, you could turn your back completely to the camera. Yes. Or Rod Marinelli did that. Yeah. Not me. Rod did. No, you did that. With the question. Yeah. All right, we got a good episode for you today. Uh, we'll recap everything that was talked about yesterday at House Hall, assuming Johns was listening to it. Uh, <laughs> Justin Fields, obviously, uh, you know, had some things to say that we got to discuss. We'll also break down this game. Can the Bears bounce back with a big win? I do love, I have to say, I get a little kick out of this, like, Pretty much everyone the entire offseason was like, the Bears are going to suck. And then they lose to the team they always lose to. And it's still full-blown panic. (laughs) It just sucks more. I just love the NFL. Like, this is what's great about the NFL. You can have a team where your expectations are already low. You know they're not going to beat that team they never beat. And They were almost within one possession, actually, in the fourth quarter. Still, full-blown panic. All hell's breaking loose. That's what you get for winning in week one against the yeah. heavily favored 49ers in a monsoon. Yeah. Increased expectations and then a big dose, a big fat dose of reality in Green Bay. I, 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 hey, I you think, picked them. Yeah, that was uh, stupid, for being honest. Do your research. Yeah, not enough research, I guess. Uh, we got research for you today. We're ready to go. Let's uh, start with this. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns, read Johnsy on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. You can read me at allchgo.com. Get my newsletter on Wednesday mornings in your inbox for CHGO members. Johnsy, we got our first tailgate coming up this weekend. What is on the menu? Hogan Johns listeners want to, uh, by the way, 
I don't know if you can hear that right now, but I'm having work done directly above me, directly above my office. Can you hear that? Barely. Okay. So it's like a little right. vibration noise. It's all I'm getting here. Okay. Well, I'm glad it's not that big of a deal. But yeah, it's like happening. Well, now that I can hear that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> They're like sawing tile and things that are really, really loud and not ideal for a podcast that's being you recorded. You just got to talk directly. louder. Yeah. Strain that voice one more time. <laughs> It's been a it's been a hell of a couple of weeks. We're still not at a hundred percent. I don't know how we get over this, but we we fight on. Anyway, um, awesome tailgate happening Sunday. If any Hogan Johns listeners want to stop by, we'll have the CHGO crew out there. Um, I'll be out there probably from like eight to nine in the morning because um, we do have a show we have to do. So if anyone wants to stop by, it's a uh, Michigan and Roosevelt. It's a really cool location. We have parking spots. Just go to allchgo.com. Check it out. And uh, we already have a ton of tickets sold for it. So it's going to be a good time. And I'm, I think it like a nice fall day, right? Isn't that the plan? Should be. I think so. No rain. Yeah. It's what, 65? It's a pleasant 65 degree hoodie weather. I love Football it. hoodie weather is here. What's on the menu? That's the most important thing. You're bearing the lead here. Um. So as of our last meeting, which was about 24 hours ago, I have not been completely finalized on what the food is. It's either going to... Here's what I can say. It's either going to be a food truck, which is awesome, um, or uh, I don't want to say the name in case it's not... Really good meats, I'll just say. (laughs) Encased meats? Well, I will say this. I am promising good food one way or the other. We have a few options that are still being finalized, but I am promising you good food. And for $34, you get all you can eat and drink. That's an incredible deal before a a Bears game. That'll get you a hot dog and a beer inside the stadium. I I see what you did with the $34 price, too. Yes. $34. That That was definitely not me. It was probably our GM, Jake Flanagan. Loves Walter Payton. Didn't want to honor Jay Cutler with the the six dollar tailgate. <laughs> I mean, I said we could do like fifty four for Erlag or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, that still would have been a pretty good deal. Yeah, thirty four. It's a steal. The Shane McClellan ninety nine dollar deal. Okay, now we're getting a little ridiculous. Or well, maybe back it down to when he wore fifty. Remember when he wore number fifty? Fifty, yes, and everybody yeah. was outraged. Fifty still. Whenever when anyone else wears fifty, they're still outraged. And I get it. I do, but well, they're running out of numbers. They honor too many of their players. There's too many. The there's too many retired. Forty years ago. <laughs> there's too many. How about some new players that are worth honoring? Yeah, that's true. They that's still true. let people wear twenty three. That one probably shouldn't be allowed. Yeah, probably. Um, all right, let's jump into this thing. So Justin Fields. Uh, here's what I like about this whole thing is like should be a non-story in my opinion. I was actually confused Monday that this was even becoming a thing. Like I'm like, did I miss something? I didn't really realize under or understand like how this got blown up. But regardless, Justin Fields had some words that I think got blown up a little bit more than they should have on Sunday, and then felt the need to clear things up yesterday. You were there. Why don't you explain it? All? Well, let me just take you back to the start. From the moment he sat down. At that, that table, that media table where 
They sit in the media room. You know what I'm talking about. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. As soon as he sat down, you could tell he was more engaged. Sometimes he could be like, oh, you know, I I, I want to run to lunch. I don't want to be here. I'm spitballing what's going on in his mind. But at least in this, this case, this Wednesday, he sat down. He was engaged. He was leaning forward towards the mic. Like he was ready. And I, I think he was prepared for that question. And when it never came, because I don't, I don't think anybody in that media room until maybe the very end was going to ask that question. Because I don't think anybody in that room made it a big deal. Our colleagues, I, I agree. Yes. No yeah. one in that room made it a big deal. I, I'll say this. I, I would not have asked the question. No. So I don't blame anybody. Maybe a television reporter later in the thing, but. Yeah. But I, I don't appreciate it. I appreciate that Justin wanted to clear it up himself. Yes, so he took a question from the Chicago Tribune's Colleen Kane about what he's doing differently for this week, Monday and Tuesdays, to not let things linger, to, to get past the, the performance like that that he had against the Packers. And like, boom, he was ready to go. That, that was his answer. It was expansive. It was long. There was detail. There was some spirit behind it, some honesty behind it. And I thought it was different, a different side of Justin Fields. I think a, a side of Justin Fields we've all wanted to see a little bit more of finally came out at Hallisaw in front of the media. Here's what I like. I like that this whole thing could have put him even more into a shell. Like, I'm not saying anything now, you know, because everything's just getting blown out of proportion. I don't trust social media. I don't trust the media. We've seen that happen before. But instead, he chose the opposite approach. He's like, no. I'm going to make sure I am being more descriptive and being more clear in everything I am saying. More engaging. And I think I think yesterday was a a major W for Justin Fields. Like he came off as very relatable as somebody that like you trust to to lead a team. He gets it. Let's he see if it, it continues though. Uh, yeah, that's that's fair, yeah. Yeah. but I understand that. Could, like every player is upset after a loss, mm-hmm. and this this is not just football. Try dealing with a Jonathan Taze after a tight loss. He doesn't want to talk to you, but he's the captain. He's going to be there, just like the quarterback has to be there. Duncan Keith, some of those baseball players after losses. This transcends sport. Yeah, and Justin Fields is the quarterback. He he has to be there. When you compare it to like other quarterbacks, like one of the criticisms after this was like, oh, I can't believe he's on social media that much. How can you let that get to him? Like they're all on social media now. Everybody's on social media now. And you know what? Zero Dark Ten didn't work for Mitch Trubisky when he tried to block everything out. I like that Justin Fields decided to take it head on. Be aware. Know what it means to be the face of the team. That his words matter. Not only to... The room, but everybody else. Like Peyton Manning, very aware of his branding. Drew Brees. Tom Brady, extremely active on social media. Guys get like TV shows since he's gone down to Tampa Bay. A lot of the best ones are very aware of their branding. Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. They all are. Now, I'll also say this. I still care way more if he can... Read that underneath defender. Make the that's easy fine. one, two, three. And that's, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yes, like I'm not saying this doesn't matter. It does matter, and I and I like how it was handled. Um, but now let's go see you score three touchdowns against the Texans. That's fine. I think we're talking about two different things. 
No, I know. I know, yeah. but... Although it, you could see how they're kind of interconnected. Yeah. What, I'm a, what I am a little worried about is how... I don't know that Justin Fields can make the argument that he's, you know, even keeled. Like, I think he's admitted that. And, and honestly, I don't, I'm not even saying this is criticism because I honestly think nobody's even keeled. It's one of the most annoying, overused descriptions of any football player out there. He's yes. even keeled. Doesn't get too high. Doesn't get too low. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's that, football. It, yeah. Go get high out there. <laughs> Not like that, but you know what I mean. Uh, Kent will you know pull that one. About. Yes, go it's football. High. Go get high out there. Have the ener- energy, but like yeah. I, I always hate the even killed responses. Right. Football's not played with an even killed mindset, really, by anybody, especially up front when you're making a tackle. True, but I do think there's something to be said for tr- for doing for trying as hard as you can to stay even killed within a game. From start to finish. And that is a hard thing to do. But what I'm a little worried about what happened Sunday night against the Packers is that things started to snowball a little bit for Justin. Yeah. And because when you start going through that tape, you could just tell he was not comfortable. That maybe he was a little little rat- rattled. Um, See, my, my counterpoint on that is you need a little more bounce back. Some resolve. It's like the Aaron Rodgers throwing the Microsoft pad. And that's a popular gift now, right? It's yeah. Tom Brady breaking those things on the sideline. I mean, how many times have you seen quarterbacks and receivers yell at each other? Receivers yell at each other. Defensive players yell at each other. Now it's calming yourself down and getting to the to the next play. But this is something I'll talk about. Him. Yeah, but this is also something I talked about last week. Like I think we've seen when when Justin gets that swagger. That little comp boost of confidence, and then he starts feeling that swagger. All of a sudden, that's when he looks really good. Well, yeah. Well, so two different things. I think we're talking about now. No, I don't think we are. I think we're because yeah. all I'm saying is I think you do have to. I think the great ones are able to stay even keeled throughout the game as much as they can, with some exceptions. I mean, Tom Brady's not breaking an iPad every week. No, but there's yeah. fire there. Yeah. I think so, it's channeling the energy in the right way. Right. I'm just worried that Justin's getting a little too low when things aren't going well. On the flip side, though, if he needs that swagger to take off, then fine. But you got to find the middle ground there, I think. All right, Roquan Smith missed practice yesterday. What's up with that? I saw him walking in the locker room afterward. So he's got a hip injury. There was a noticeable limp. He was smiling. He said hello to some reporters as he walked by. Then he was gone because he couldn't talk to us, or we couldn't talk to him because he didn't practice. This is Thursday morning at 9.24 a.m. We'll see what happens. I'm more concerned about it. I'm more concerned about his performance against the Packers than I am with this injury at this point, just seeing him with his jersey on and engaging with his teammates in the locker room. Yeah. He may be feeling something. A day off may do him some good. But he played an awful football game by his standards against the Packers. Well, but maybe that hip injury explains why he was looking slow. Then leave the game. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, bring my guy Jack Sanborn in there. There you go. Wisconsin Badger. Lake He'll get the finest. job done. Maybe. You need Roquan Smith to play. And you need him to play better. That's the bottom line. Well, we'll continue to monitor that over the um, 
next couple days here as we get ready for this game against the Texans. Should we get into our three big questions? Three big questions. Will we be talking at number one? Oh, okay, Mitch. Mentioned you once earlier this podcast. Uh, Number one. Will we be talking? Will we be talking about missed tackles again on Sunday night? Uh some, but not as much. I don't. I don't think it'll be as big of a storyline. That's how I'll answer that. Sometimes you just have to give your opponent some credit. Yeah, Aaron Jones is a good running back. AJ Dillon is a bruiser. The Texans have some talent, but not like that. Just being honest. Right, Danny I Pierce think, is a rookie. Rex Burkhead is a is a guy. I think that well, some of the most noticeable missed tackles, like there's one where Aaron Jones like essentially cuts up the seam, and like Kyler Gordon's diving at him, Jaquan Brisker's diving at him. Those are two rookies. It's a good opportunity for them to bounce back and show that they can learn from mistakes like that, settling their feet. Driving through the ball carrier. Give him time. Number two. How much will facing a similar defense in practice actually help Justin Fields versus the Lovey Smith Texans? Uh, I think it'll help. I think it'll help, but like I don't mean to simplify this. He just gotta. I don't I don't think it was the Packers defense that that screwed him up last week. Uh, he had, again. You really he, think like he got too low or t- too confused? Now there's some ebbs and flows to some games. Some some momentum is a real thing, in my opinion. I just I, what Johns. What's so concerning about this tape is that he had guys open and he just didn't throw the ball. Like I really think that the, that's what he's battling right now, more so than, and maybe that's him questioning what he's seen. So perhaps seeing a defense he's seen every day in practice will help. Sure, maybe he'll feel more confident about pulling the trigger. But regardless, he just needs to do it. When Cole Komet's open right in front of you, throw the damn ball. You know? Like, so, yeah, I I definitely don't think it'll hurt him. I think it'll help. Yeah, if there's anything I'm looking at in this game, especially since he has a better gen- better general sense of what he's going to see from this defense because there are similarities. Now, Lovey Smith surely will throw some different things at him. You should expect that. But I'm going to harp on something that I've been harping on since training camp. I like to see the process speed up and the anticipation throws, those anticipatory throws, be better. They, they, like that Dante Pettis comeback, that curl have you. Rip it. Rip it. You have to anticipate what's going to happen there. Forget about the St. Brown miss. The Dante Pettis miss was more problematic for me. That's what I want to see. Throw with some anticipation. Believe what you're seeing. Trust it and just rip it. Just rip it. Don't hold it too long because then that goes back to to some current concerns that everyone had pre-draft about them. Believe in what you're seeing. Trust your feet and rip the football. Yeah. Number three. Do you view Lovey Smith any differently after all the changes that came after his tenure with the Chicago Bears? Um, Let me go through the coaches for you. Mark Tressman, John Fox, Matt Nagy, and now we're back to Matt Eberflus, who was from that Lovey Smith, Tony Dungy tree. 
Yeah. So you're essentially asking, like, does Lovey Smith deserve more respect than he maybe gets? Yes. I, see, I, I, all I can do, I guess, is speak for myself, but, like, I I still respect Lovey Smith and everything he's done and, and did for the Bears. Um, The way I've always said describe this and don't feel any differently is it's sort of revisionist history to just say, oh, they never should have fired Lovey. Okay. He stopped beating the Packers. That defensive window was closing anyway. So I think you can make a strong argument. I mean, they probably don't get rid of Brian Urlacher, obviously, right? That, you know, he probably gets at least one more year. But I still think it would have been hard for Lovey to keep that going without a better solution at quarterback. I think all the problems that the, the the problems are really the GM they hired the year who fired Lovey, okay, who was a complete and utter disaster, who then gave Cutler another contract, who and then they couldn't get the quarterback position right after that. So I don't necessarily like view Lovey any differently. I have a lot of respect for everything he did in Chicago. He was a great hire. He was here for nine years. It's really all the decisions they made after that. And I don't know that they would have gotten them right had Lovey still been around. Plus, his record in the NFL has been horrible since he's got yes, fired. Yes, yes. I would have given him one more year if like, we're going to go down that revisionist history path. That was a winning football team, a turnover machine of a defense. I think I still think he had some more good football out of Charles Tillman. Another year out of Devin Hester. Yes, they were in their 30s. Yes, that window was closing. But to fire Lovey Smith after a 10-6 and six season just felt forced. It really did. If he's going to be remembered for anything, it's the stability in every game. At least it felt like that. They had some star power. And those stars were his leaders. Kept his culture alive and going year after year after year. That loaf's principle, all those things. And then, yeah, I think the most pr- problematic thing you saw after Lovey Smith is you saw the Bears go like the exact opposite of Lovey Smith for like two years. And yeah. it took them a long time to recover from that. It really did. Yeah. And I'm I mean it you. with all due respect to Mark Tressman. It was an unwinnable situation for him. Yeah, I think, but that really goes back, I think, to the GM. It, it, it's it's tough to look. I mean, if you're going to give Lovey one more year, then I think you had to give Jerry Angelo one more year before that. You know, like, so I, I don't necessarily think it was yeah, a mistake. That's a question that goes all the way to the top to Ted Phillips, who's now retiring. Well, and even beyond that, because it was George who took over. It's true. At that point, was like, no, nope, we're going to change things up. We're going to go. And it's just been a disaster ever since. I think we haven't won enough under the leadership of George McCaskey, and that's what we're working on. All right, quickly, let's go through these over and unders. We, sure. got, we, had a, we have a guest coming up here. So. I know. All right. Over unders. Lovey Smith coached the Bears references. Anything counts in the broadcast. You know for sure they're going to put his Bears record underneath there. Yeah. They're going to talk about him still having a home in the area, so that's two. So anything counts. Lovey Smith. Bears references on the broadcast for CBS. I'm setting this at six and a half, and I think it might be too low. Wow. Anything counts. I'm going to say under 
I'm going to say under. I think it's established at the beginning, but I think once the game starts, it's been so long. Like, what references are there really going to be? You know, I the, think you might get one with the the Hall of Famers. Okay. Or the, the Hall of Fame candidates. So that's three. There's just not... I mean, there's no players left over. I'm going to take the under. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. This one, This next one was difficult to set because I think you might have like an overcorrection coming. Pass attempts for Justin Fields against the Texans. 15 and a half. So that's four and a half more than he had on Sunday. Yes. You had the head coach on Monday be like, yeah, we got to basically say we got to throw the ball more. Yeah, but like that's the misleading thing about those 11 pass attempts. They tried. You had the sacks, that's 14. You had two scrambles, that's 16. You know? You count the the play where he ran past the line of scrimmage and threw the ball. That's 17. Yeah. But at the same time, I also think... Those count. Those are dropbacks. Those are pass calls. Those are pass plays. Okay, well, this is just supporting the over. I know, but he's going to scrambble again. Yeah, I, 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 I think Getze also was shying away from the pass because he realized in the moment his quarterback wasn't playing that well and they were running the ball just fine. So, um, and if I'm the Texans this week, I'm, and I, we know how Lovey Smith likes to play this bend, but don't break thing. They're going to gang up on the run. They're going to try to make Justin Fields be a quarterback. I'm going over here. I th- I think Justin Fields, in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if Justin's more like, 23, 24, 25 passes. In this oh, game. That's, that means the Bears have the ball a long time. Yeah. Can I give you some stats? Let me give you some stats. Let's do it. Hold on. I didn't have them ready, but I have them. No. No. Don't want your stats. Keep talking. I'll pull up the stats. <laughs> well, can we just move on to the next one, or the, does the stat, do the stats no, have to this, do No, this has to deal. So the, the average pass rating against the Houston Texans. Okay. Two games, small sample size. I was going to say, how far back does this go? No, just the two, well, it's two games. That's how far back it goes. 76.7. All right. They trail the Bills, Buccaneers, Eagles, Steelers, Jaguars. That's a surprise. And 49ers. Some of those above the Texans you expect to be good defenses this year. The completion percentage against the Texans this year. 56.8. That's the fourth best amongst defenses. Right? So Lovey Smith is doing something right. Now, here's here's the other side of it, though. Well, you might see, I don't know, um, more David Montgomery. They've allowed, in two games, 163 point. That's, well, that's it. That's the, that's the average rushing yards against the Texans. In two games. So you can run against them. The 326 yards they've allowed on the ground is the third most, trailing only the Bears and Titans. So you're saying uh, their D is good? Their pass D is. Their rush yeah. defense is not. The rush defense is the third worst in the league. Well, I'll tell you this. I mean, football outsiders think they're, they're a better team than the Bears. Like you're high in Davis Mills. And, and I'm not high on him. I'm just, I think he's... We're all about getting high in the field today. Yeah. 
I think Davis Mills is ultimately probably just a guy, but for a third round pick, like I liked, you know, I've been sitting here for how many years on this podcast, John, saying take more swings on quarterbacks. Draft Jalen Hurts. You think the Bears would like Jalen Hurts? Jalen Hurts looks just fine. That's a good team. It's an underrated good team in Philadelphia. All right, quickly, speaking of Davis Mills, and we have our guest, Kalen Kaler, coming up. That's over and under. Targets at Jalen Johnson. One and a half. Ooh. That's lots targets. I'm going to go under. I think there's going to be one. One. Because why would you target him? Exactly. Stick with what's working. Attack Kyler Gordon. All right, here's a one more question. At what what game do you think things change for Kyler Gordon and Kendall Vildor becomes the most targeted guy? Like at what point do you think things start to click for Kendall Vildor? I'll tell you this. I no, think Kyler, no, you know what I mean. Yeah. For Kyler Gordon. For Kyler Gordon. Um this week. Okay. And I'm going to save something for bold predictions. Oh, all right. Yeah. I like it. A tease. So we sneak in our predictions here or bring in Kalen? Let's bring in Kalen. All right. Kalen Kaler, the new writer for The Athletic as of this week, joining us now on Hogan Johns. Kalen, uh, congrats on the, the new gig with The Athletic. Very excited. And hopefully this will be the... First of many appearances on this podcast yes. as part of that. You don't know. You have to read the fine print that's actually in your contract. They have to, <laughs> and to talk that. to us. And every every national writer must talk to Hogan Johns at least five or six times a year. Just yeah. sorry, you've so, been warned. So Love we're that. we've been breaking down this matchup against the Texans. What what stands out to you? What are you excited to see about this this game between the Bears and Texans this week? Uh, well, I think I was just looking at where the like Texans passing defense ranks and it's not great. They've allowed 270.5 yards a game so far, obviously small sample size. Um, but I think what I'm most looking for is where the bears passing offense to take a step forward. I think obviously that's been a big topic of conversation. Um, they're last in the NFL and it's, it's a little bit unfair to rank you know, to put a lot of weight in that because of the first game occurring in a monsoon, obviously. But um, I do think like this is the game where you can make that leap forward because it's an opponent that, you know, is not, is not great. Um, It's going to allow you to do a little bit there. So I think that's what I'm looking for. And I think, you know, if, if Justin Fields and, and the passing game doesn't take a step forward, I think, Maybe then you really start to get a little bit worried. So you see those like eleven pass attempts, and Adam Hogan and I were talking about how that's a bit can be a bit misleading because there's some scrambles, there's some sacks. Right. When you see the number eleven, seventy passing yards, forty-eight net passing yards, if you take into account the sacks, like what's your like your instant reaction knowing where the NFL is going with its passers? It's just like here we go again because this is the story every year um, in Chicago. Uh, I think, how did Pat Finley phrase it? Uh, he said, allergic to the passing game. Uh, <laughs> I, I love that line. I was like, that was a great way to describe this. So I think I just think, you know, how do you get out of the cycle? Like, it's a new staff. 
this should be a different Bears team. And it is in many ways. But with that trend, it's like, come on, guys. Like, let's let's not fall into the same pattern. And you're right. Like, the rest of the NFL um, is exploding in the passing game. So this is an area where you really can't fall behind. What did you make of this Justin Fields saga this week with – you know, the fans and then the way he handled it yesterday in his press conference. Um, I think he, I think it's actually really refreshing. Like one, I think it's great to see a little bit of his personality and it sounded like, like at least my read on what he said yesterday was that he isn't going to let sort of the, you know, the media cycle uh, or social media cycle of, you know, a quote going viral or being taken out of context. He's not going to prevent, he's not going to let that, like hide him, his personality. He's still going to try to be himself and say things that he wants to say. I think he's just going into it with a little bit more awareness now of knowing, okay, well, this could be a consequence of what I'm going to say. And I really hope that Bears PR does not get to him and, you know, say, okay, this was unacceptable. Like, please don't, you know, say things like this ever again, because I do think it was really nice to see, a little bit of personality from him because, you know, personally, I feel like we hadn't really seen a lot and I didn't really have a good sense of like who he was as a person. Obviously it's only his second year. So there's a lot that he still has to show us in terms of his personality, but I did think it was really nice to actually get to see uh, a little bit of flavor from him. And um, I think, you know, John, you pointed out uh, in your piece yesterday that, you know, Mitch wasn't great at sort of, taking ownership of what he had said, he would sort of either not address it again or avoid the topic. And so I do think it was really nice to see fields actually, you know, without even being asked, say, Hey, I want to clarify what I said on Sunday night, um, you know, and get into that topic all on his own, because that was something that Mitch really never did and always seemed really uncomfortable um, trying to do. Yeah. It, it, it stuck me. It struck me as different than when Mitch deferred to the team's communications. <laughs> cool. Like that was after a Packers loss too. Crazy. Like the way Fields handled yeah. this after an ugly loss against the Packers compared to how Mitch handled that after an ugly loss against the Packers just felt yeah. uh, refreshing. There was a different tone of confidence and like, like you said, ownership, like, this is my life. Let me get what I want to say out. That 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 really yeah. stood out to me. Yeah. Um, so he but, really didn't talk to you guys after the game on Sunday. No, Justin did. Oh, yeah. Justin. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. where those comments came from. Yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he don't want to talk to us, but you know, who who wants to talk to the yeah. <laughs> Chicago media after another loss of the Packers? You know, right, they're right. not exactly players aren't exactly lining up to you know to get their thoughts out after losses like that. Um, just to stick with Fields, like for one more question here, there's a lot of like young quarterbacks, like mm-hmm. I think taking steps, like Tua, six touchdowns, Jalen Hurts. We were just talking about him uh, moments ago. Like the Eagles look like a good team. He looks like a good quarterback. Yep. Where do you think Fields maybe fits in uh, amongst those guys? Is he still? You know, give us more. You know, Trevor Lawrence is still in his company, stuff like that. Like, where where do you see him amongst these quarterbacks who are trying to take the the next step in their careers? I think um, he's still sort of like a little bit of an unknown. Like, I feel like there's still a lot that we haven't seen from him that I think we will this season. I think this is going to be. I think at the end of the season, we're going to have really good sense of like where where he is among that class. And I think 
you know, just looking at his draft class, uh, obviously he's in a much better position than um, Trey Lance right now because Trey Lance obviously got hurt uh, last week, is going to miss the whole rest of this season before he could even really get started. And I also feel like Fields is in a good spot because um, he's got, as far as I can tell, he's got organizational support, even though he went through a coaching change, a GM change. It seems like, you know, they have built this team where he's the quarterback. Whereas with Trey Lance in San Francisco, like everything they did this offseason did not uh, point to he's our guy. You know, they might be saying that publicly, but keeping Jimmy G um, and that situation was just really strange to me. And it kind of, it kind of made me feel like they aren't a hundred percent sure that like, this is going to be their quarterback for the season. So I think fields at the end of this year, we're really going to know. And I think he's got the support. Cause obviously like Trevor Simeon is a qualified backup, but he's not, you know, a distraction in the way that Jimmy G would be sort of, you know, banging down the door because he led the team to the playoffs the previous year. So um, yeah, I think Trevor Lawrence is probably at the top of the class. He had a great game on Sunday. Um, and that's what happens when you have a coach that, um, you know, doesn't, uh, that it's actually competent um, and can run a team. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think fields, I think fields is very much still let's see by the end of this season. Um Cause I think you're right. Like Hertz has really taken that step so far um, this season. The Eagles look really good. He looks really good running that offense. Um, so I think we'll have a better idea. It's not really an answer. Sorry, but I think we'll have a better idea. No, I know it's, it's just, the, it's the, it's the, there's a patience approach. Yeah. You know, you need to have it. Um, I, I think fans need to have it. The organization needs to have it. Fields needs to have it for himself. It's just where we are at this point in the season. It's too early for anything, really anything definitive. Um, you have a story coming on Nathaniel Hackett, the the Broncos head coach, who has been think, talking about staying off social media. He's he's probably one who who, who probably should, you know, go zero yeah. dark Hackett <laughs> to use yeah. Trubisky's reference. Uh, but it's it deals with head coaches and, and play calling, which is fascinating to us because we just lived that. We just we just covered that with Matt Nagy, and we saw that it didn't work. Matt Eberflus is different. He, I know he's a defensive-minded head coach, but he's not calling plays. Right. He's take. He's really taken that CEO role. And it's, so tell, so tell, yeah, tell us about him. Yeah, and I think that's – I think we can see that working as far as, you know, I mean, it's too early to say with the win-loss record, like, is it really working yet? But, like, I think you see it working with um, the way the players are responding to him and the way the team uh, seems to be vibing and coming together. And – you know, aside from the unsportsmanlike towel um, penalty, which, which I think is very hard to prepare for when it's when it's not snowing because it's a very like snow focused rule. Um, but aside from that, you know, the, the Bears haven't had any like major, you know, game management uh, mishaps so far. And so, as far as that goes, he's he seems like he's an organized head coach leader, and I think that's working for them. But in terms of uh, Nathaniel Hackett, I mean his. His coaching blunders have been very public, um, just wasting a lot of time trying to make decisions, game clock ticking down, precious time, uh, taking the ball out of Russell Wilson's hands, delay of game penalties, you name it. So I, you know, I talked to some uh, coaches around the NFL, uh, some game management coaches in particular, and they they said, you know, they see it a lot where if a head coach is also an offensive play caller, it, you know, you have that tunnel vision and you can't see the big picture. So you aren't able to 
really when it comes down to the last two minutes of the half and the last two minutes of the game in, in, in full, those are where the situational play calling and the decision-making is the most important. But that's also typically where you're really tunnel vision on your offensive play calling as well. So it gets really hard to juggle both in the moments where they are both the most important. So um, a lot of the game management coaches were like, yeah, the best coaches at the situational part of the game are your CEO types. So exactly what Iberflus is doing where, you know, he is not calling those offensive plays and he is leaving that to his coordinator. And it's really interesting because of the new, of the new uh, like head coaches this year, the only one with an offensive background who is not also calling plays is Brian Dable in New York. And he went into the season being like, or went into this, um, into his job, you know, kind of wishy-washy. I might call plays. I might not ended up giving play calling to Mike Kafka, his coordinator, who is, a first-time coordinator, um, first-time full-time play caller as well. So he's kind of new in his experience. But, you know, he was quoted as saying, like, I realize I need to be overseeing all the aspects of the game. And Sirianni, we talked about Jalen Hurts, Sirianni with the Eagles, he gave it up at a midpoint last season. Um, I think they had a little mini buy at some point after a Thursday night game. And so that was a moment where he was like, you know what, this isn't working. And and you can see from that point on their offense uh, made a huge jump and, and they're continuing that this season. And I think it doesn't have to be weird to give up play calling. Like we saw it be really weird in Chicago with Nagy who like yeah. wouldn't talk about it. And, and then there was it, always that controversy. Like, is, is he giving yeah. laser p- plays to pick from? <laughs> yeah. Cause he wasn't clear about it. Yeah. Yes. No. And he wouldn't, he would never say like who was even calling the plays. Like that went on for like several weeks of like, yeah, like really weird answers. Like, I remember there was one where he gave like a super long answer, but like also said nothing. So, you know, it's really inter- it's an interesting debate. And word salad. Was, that was yeah, word it's salad. an interesting debate, and it doesn't have to be weird. Just like you know, if you realize it's not working, just hand it over. You, you know, the other part of that too that I think um, Hackett might be struggling with right now is, and I honestly didn't know that about Dable. I think that's awesome. I yeah. think that I didn't know that he did not that he gave up play calling, and especially because Mike Kafka is going to be a really good coach. He already Let's is. Win. Let's go. Yes. So give so give him that opportunity. But you know, Hackett is kind of the. It's not quite the same situation as when Nagy came to Chicago because Hackett has previous OC experience and has yeah. called plays before. But I still think that it's he wasn't calling plays in Green Bay. Right. Right. So he gets his job. So now he's dealing with play calling duties again. And oh, by the way, you're also the head coach who has to take care of everything. That's a lot. So it's like no wonder in your first game with the spotlight on, you make this huge mistake. Um, And I think that even last week against the Texans, that there was there was some uh, situational stuff that plus their offense has been terrible in the red zone. But that's a different discussion. I, I just think that it's even harder when you haven't been doing it regularly and now you're like okay and also you have to be that coach yeah and all of his coordinators i didn't know this either i read this yesterday all of his coordinators are first-time coordinators defense offense and special teams so it's like he just assembled a staff of like all new people which is which is awesome they're getting experience but it's like uh you know maybe you wanted like one veteran as like your sounding board there hey there's still this theory out there that they were hiring him in hopes that right. they could somehow land Rodgers. Yeah. And, that and then that didn't, yeah. And that didn't happen. And now this is all kind of plan B and 
not looking so good. Not so good. Far. Yeah, not good. <laughs> not good. Uh, quickly, I wanted to bring this story up because Adam Hogue has a slave obsession with officiating. Oh, yeah. I knew that. Yeah. It, it's unhealthy. It's unhealthy. I got it right here in front of me. The extremely oh, unhealthy. Kalen, um, I, I think he watches the officials more than he watches the actual football. What do you guys want to know right now? Um, so <laughs> Kalen did this awesome two, story, two, Adam. <laughs> Kalen did this awesome story, Adam, about um, how teams scout officials mm-hmm. down to like their workout regimens. <laughs> yeah. Like their backgrounds. Like how fast they can run? Literally, yes. Like where they go, who trains them. Yeah. Okay. They know if guys are like dairy farmers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I found it fascinating. <laughs> yeah. it's a. It was eye-opening, I think, because one thing I didn't really understand before I went into this story is that officiating crews have tendencies, just like football teams have tendencies. I had a whole, I mean, and if you click on the, uh, if you click on the story, I linked to a spreadsheet of data from the last four years of every referee and sorted by literally every penalty that exists or the the most commonly called ones. Um, And it was so fascinating. I think the difference in holding calls, offensive holding, which is one of the most common penalties, obviously we know as football writers and you guys as fans, you see it all the time. Most common penalty, probably offensive holding. The difference in the crews uh, was about four. It was, I think it was three calls per game. The leading crew was calling four per game. The bottom crew was calling one. And I thought that was fascinating because, I mean, that's like significant and, um, you know, that can affect your game. And so that is something I really learned from this. And I mean, yeah, teams are obsessively like collecting data on these scout on these officials um, and, and they're even sorting it by official. And for the first time this year, PFF is actually providing that for their NFL uh, team clients as well as like, OK, which back judge is, you know, throwing the most uh, pass interference and, you know, which side judge is the best at spotting the ball, you know, things like that. So um, it's really interesting. And it's a lot of things that I didn't know. And I certainly when I go to games now, like I'm going to be like, I'm going to be like uh, Adam and and I'm going to be watching the <laughs> for sure, yeah. because it is so interesting. Well, here's it, another question. Oh, sorry, Adam. Like, hello, everyone. This is Al Riveron. Oh, my God. <laughs> He's not oh. there anymore, but he was. <laughs> He's not there anymore. <laughs> well, I think the question the Bears fans have is like, why don't they call penalties against the Packers when they happen to play oh, the Bears? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because yeah. they're dairy farmers in Wisconsin, Johns. That's why. <laughs> well, and that's the there data. You have that's data that I don't have, but I'm sure teams have um, is, you know, how often the Packers are penalized versus other teams. And I mean, I'm sure that's out there too on like NFLpenalties.com or something. You probably look it up. Um, if you, if you're really, if you really want to build that argument, you need the stats to back it up. So definitely go check out, see if you can find if the Packers are in fact penalized less than their opponents. All right. Well, that story is right up my alley. So I'm going to go read that as soon as this podcast is over. Kalen, thanks so much for jumping on with us. Congrats thanks, on the new guys. gig. Uh, all our listeners, make sure you are following her at Kalen Kaler. That's uh, K-A-L-Y-N-K-A-H-L-E-R for those of you listening to the pod. All right. Kalen, we'll see you at a house soon. Thank you. See you later. Thanks. Kaylin. How did you not? I, how did you not immediately text me that story? <laughs> I wanted to bring it up here. Yeah. So I think it's her last story for the defector. Came oh, like okay. Four, so it wasn't for the ago. athletic. Yes. Yeah. Like four days okay. ago. Yes. Well, then don't go read it. 
No, you can still read it. You like I'm it. Just, I'm just Trevor Simeon is, is, is quoted in it. He, I think he had the dairy farmer. Anyway, uh, who cares? <laughs> Come on, Bob. Leave, leave Kevin's guy, Trevor Simeon, alone. That's awesome. All right. I, we need to make picks for this game. Hey, Lovey, how you doing? Hey, Lovey. Hey, Lovey. Hey, Lovey. Hey, Lovey. Hey, Lovey. <laughs> How's everybody doing? I, I miss our conference calls, and I miss Rich Campbell's passion for the bit Yes, that we used to do, where we would give an exuberant, over-the-top hello to all so the coaches if, we would talk if to. If you're new to this show, some of you are on YouTube, Rich Campbell used to cover the Bears for the Chicago Tribune. And there used to be weekly press conferences via conference call, like a, a phone in the corner of Hallis Hall where they would pump up the audio. Yeah, we'd huddle around the phone. We, we'd huddle. You'd put your recorders down. And you would yell your questions into this phone. Sometimes coaches would come through and uh, who, who else? Who did that one time? Dow Loggins like jumped in in there one time after his press conference, got a question <laughs> on some coach. <laughs> I, I so, vaguely remember that, yeah. But the bit was... We would basically scream at them when they would join the call with a lot of passion. <laughs> and and catch the them it, completely off guard. Yes. If I remember right, Bill Belichick actually took it pretty well. Yes, he liked it. He thought it was funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the best was... I really... Lovey's greeting was, was the greatest. So this had to have been either 14 or 15. When he was coaching the ball back in time. Hey, Lovey, how you doing? Hey, Lovey. Hey, Lovey. Hey, Lovey. How's everybody doing? <laughs> That's great. That's hard to get like genuine laughter from Lovey Smith in a in a press it conference is, yeah. setting. Yeah, he was happy to hear from us. That's good stuff. All right. Bold predictions. Kyler Gordon gets his first interception. Ooh. Okay. I think he they they know he's going to get targeted this week. I think they're going to be prepared for it, and I think he's going to bait Davis Mills, not Aaron Rodgers, Davis Mills, into a pick. Here's my bold prediction. Cole Komet not only makes a catch, makes a touchdown catch. Oh, boy. Against the Texans. Uh, probably not. So are you telling me I should put him back in my fantasy lineup after he gave me zero points the first two weeks? Yes. Zero. Yes. Not doing it. Got to prove it. Okay, that's fine. Miss out on the points. <sighs> I'm going to be so mad if that happens. Celebrate with an M. No, don't care. Fat Gronk-like spike of the ball. All right, Predictions. I feel pretty good about this one, actually. I think the Bears bounce back. I don't think the Texans have much offensively. And I think that the... I'm not saying that the Bears are a good defensive team. In fact, their metrics and their football outsiders DVOA in the first two weeks is bad. But I do think that they're taking this personally, how poorly they tackled. Um, Got to keep an eye on Roquan, though. But I'm assuming he plays... I think the defense bounced back. This is just not a firepower offense on the other side either. Um, so 
And I think the Bears find some solutions offensively. I think they find a way to get the ball to Darnell Mooney. Fields is going to be more comfortable at home. I liked his attitude yesterday. So I'm going to go Bears 24. Texans 13. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm going 20 to 16 Bears. I think you still see a few struggles offensively. I know what Kaelin is saying, that the the Texans give up a lot of yards through the air. But I still think they're they're tough. They're tough defensively. They are under Lovey Smith. I think they give Justin Fields some problems, but he gets enough offense. Touchdown run. Man, I'll, I'll give him two touchdown passes. A couple field goals. 2016 Bears. I think Davis Mills is in for the longer day of the two quarterbacks. I know the argument that Davis Mills' stats might be better than Justin Fields. I get it, but I'm going with Justin Fields on this one. 2016. So take Bears. that and think about that for a little bit. I like it. Confidence. Okay. Both of us have the Bears covering, too. Two and a half. Two and a half. The spread for this noon game on CBS. All right. Opposite. Also on CBS at noon. One of the better games of the week. The Buffalo Bills go to Miami. Where the Dolphins, off to a good start, are six-point home underdogs. How that? Because the Bills have just looked unstoppable so far. Yeah. Yeah. I think Tua had six touchdown passes, though. I like bringing up the Dolphins because this is what you get when you invest in similar scheme as Luke Getzies with Mike McDaniel, but you give it your quarterback some high-powered weapons. Guys who could take a 15-yard catch and take it to the house. That's what the, the, the Dolphins have, but I don't know if they do that against the Bills. What, what I'm going to say here is the Dolphins take the six points and they cover, but I think you got like a 31 28 win for the Bills. Okay. Yeah, I think the thing that I'm struggling with with the Dolphins is... I mean, they were getting blown out in that game before they came all the way back. And the Ravens did a lot to help that. So, I do think the Bills are the better team overall. But here's the X factor. Why cannot do six points? 87 degrees. High humidity. Possible thunderstorms in the afternoon. We've seen those games. Oh, it, it's remember, the Brock Eisweiler game all over again. And they put your they put the opponent purposely on the sideline that has the sun beating down on them. Uh, and it makes a difference. So I'll take the Bills to win, but I'll take the Dolphins to cover. Just can't do it. I wouldn't. I'd probably stay away from this game, though. There's actually money on the line. His quote. Courtesy of Adam Hoge. Fox. Nick should know better, too. Fox. New. Lions at Vikings. Vikings six-point favorites at home. They did not look good the other day. No. They did not. I was all over that one. I picked the Eagles. I am pretty sure Kirk Cousins was just throwing the ball up without actually looking at Justin Re- Justin Jefferson at the end of that game. <laughs> Boy, he was. <laughs> How many interceptions did he end up with? I ended up going to bed. Um, I, I, I don't know. Who cares, really? But um. Anyway, uh, who cares? I'm gonna take Lions win. No, Vikings win. Lions cover. Okay, I'm gonna take the Vikings to cover. 
I think this there's something about this where they're like baiting you into right there's a, there's always an overreaction. Lions play tough, they got to win. Vikings look terrible. They're going to go back home. They're going to correct some things. Three picks at the end of the day for Kirk Cousins, by the way. Kent telling us that. I it felt like seven. Should have been seven. It it felt like seven. So I think we got to um, come out hard and stay hard. Fox, 325, the Rams at the Cardinals. Boy, the Cardinals. The Cardinals were looking until the fourth quarter of that game against the Raiders. They were looking like Cliff Kingsbury might need to be fired. Yeah. Um. Now they're, but here's the, I still think they might not be good. Kyler Murray did some crazy stuff. The Raiders let it happen. I'm going to take the Rams here um, to not only win, but cover that three and a half on the road. Kingsbury had that interesting quote after week one. I tried searching it up real quick where he basically said his team had to practice better. Isn't that your job as the head coach to make sure yeah. they do practice well? Yeah. At least he didn't pull a Mark Tressman and say that was a great practice when it was actually an awful practice. But everything just seems a bit off. I think you knew where this Cliff Kingsbury thing was going to end. Like when it started, right? Let's just be honest. The guy didn't actually win a lot of football games in college either. No. There was nothing. Like he would have been a good OC hire. What about whatever he did in college made you think that he was just going to come to the NFL and be a good head coach? These teams get so caught up in their offense and pairing their quarterback with an offensive guy. That's not the job of the head coach. Yes. We're just talking about it with Kalen. I, I, I don't... I don't. Well, everybody's looking for the next Sean McVay or Sean Payton. Those guys are so rare and so good at their jobs. They don't, they don't come around often. Yeah, and Matt LaFleur certainly qualifies as one of those guys now, but you know, Matt LaFleur also went to Tennessee for a year to call plays. Matt LaFleur because he wasn't did. getting that opportunity in LA. Yes. And also Matt LaFleur just got paired with Aaron Rodgers, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. <laughs> True. True. All right. So did you pick the Rams here? Uh yes. Okay. I think I just did. Okay. Fair enough. That question don't make no sense. Fox three twenty five, speaking of the Packers. They go to Tampa, which has been a problem for them. Aaron Rodgers has said, I don't like facing Todd Bowles. Bucks are a one-point favorite. I'm taking the Buccaneers here, even though they don't have Mike Evans. Yeah. Well, they do have Tom Brady. And they got a good defense. They still got some weapons at receiver. Oh, Chris Godwin still might be out, though. Yeah, they're down, guys. They're down offensive linemen. They are down weapons. They just signed Cole Beasley. Yeah, I'm talking myself out of this one. Give me the Packers. See, but do the Packers have weapons? No, but they got more than the Buccaneers, apparently. Yeah. Uh, I think if Cole Beasley plays, that's a bad sign. Yeah, I think Todd Bowles has answers defensively. Did you see Akeem Hicks is already hurt? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Bucks here. Okay. Don't feel great about it though, but I think that, I think that's got to be the play. And that's the facts. That's that's 100% truth. 
All right, Monday night. Back to just one Monday night game this week. It is the Cowboys going to New York to face Brian Dable, Mike Kafka. Yeah, I put this one in our rundown because it's the Bears' next opponent. They're 2-0. and They look all right. Saquon Barkley looks back. He does. Yeah, Saquon looks good. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, the Giants are going to win this one. They should. I mean, you can't take the Dak Prescott less Cowboys in this one. Give me the Giants. Um, I think, actually, and then you got a 3-0 and team versus potentially 2-1 and Bears. Maybe Bears in that one as well, but getting ahead of myself. Okay, I am going to go opposite of you here. First of all, nothing says Monday Night Football like Cooper Rush versus Daniel Jones. Get excited, people. Um, there's a guy named Micah Parsons on the Cowboys who has the ability to just take over this game against Daniel Jones. He is so good. So I'm going to take the Cowboys and... You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Cooper Rush doesn't look terrible. It's true. Like, he's... He's capable of sitting in there in the pocket and at least distributing the ball. Which I don't know that Daniel Jones always does well. So he's playing quarterback. <laughs> that was me. Apparently. That was me. Adam Johns, go ahead. I think Oh, my it. lock of the week. I'll take lock up the Bears. I feel oh, good about their Yeah, I think it's gonna be a close game, but they could win by a field goal or more. Locking the Bears. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. You picked them to win by four. The spread's two and a half. You're locking that? Yeah. Okay. Very confident in the uh, specific numbers, I guess, this week. <laughs> don't see a, I don't see a one-point loss or a <sighs> one-point win for the, the Bears coming. Yeah, I still think my lock last week should have counted. The touchdown was in. Oh, the Justin Fields one. Yeah, it was. Yeah. They covered. Very suspicious, Vegas NFL officiating. Those damn dairy farming refs. <laughs> right? <laughs> Producing all that cheese. All right. We're out of here. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. Fun episode. Uh, enjoy the game. Enjoy the weather. Stop by your tailgate. Yeah, come by the tailgate in the morning. Um, go to allchgo.com for more details and to uh, get tickets. Again, it's an incredible deal. And it's convenient whether you're taking the train or need a parking spot. You don't have parking yet. We can hook you up with that. Walk right over to the stadium. So, um, And you've promised to take selfies with everybody who says hello. <laughs> I didn't, but I'm happy to do so. Thank you. I'm having fun. Maybe I'll stop I'll, by and take a selfie. I'll do that. You, you don't need to do that. If it's a taco truck, just let me know. I'll be there. Yeah, I'll try to get answers on that, by the way. I, I think we haven't finalized. It just hasn't been communicated to me yet. All right. Um, read me at allchgo.com. John Z on The Athletic. Kalen Kaler on The Athletic. Kevin Fishbane. Dan Pompey had a story on Josh McCown. I saw this morning. I still need to read it. Oh, Mark Carmen will love that one. Oh, that's his guy. Josh McCown. Probably an NFL head coach relatively soon, I feel like. Probably a better choice than Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah. I mean, I think the Texans really wanted to hire him, and then they realized, like, it's a terrible look with everything that's been going on there. Um, All right. 
I think that does it for us. We will talk to you post game. See if the Bears get a win. We'll have the episode for you right around 5 o'clock. We'll probably go live right around 5 post game Bears Texans. Talk to you later. Are you kidding me? It's football. Go get high out there.